0: You get angry, right? You have been angry. There's a good chance uh, that somebody here this morning is angry right now. Now, it could be a lot of different reasons. Uh, I I, I don't know. We get angry for a lot of different reasons. And maybe you were getting ready for church this morning, and one of the kids did something or said something. or maybe your spouse was running late, and you couldn't get them out the door fast enough. A kid spills something. Or maybe somebody from, you know, the Methodist or the Baptist church, they pulled out in front of you, right, when you were coming in. And you got angry with them about that. Maybe you're angry because... You're already angry thinking that we might get out a little bit late and you might not beat one of those other churches to the restaurant after church. I don't know, but but you're angry. We get angry. And, and usually I start off the message with like a question about have you or will you or do you. And and I thought about that this week, and I was like, no, because I know every single one of us in this room have been angry. We get angry, and most of us have just kind of settled with this idea that like anger's okay, it's not a big deal, and I'm just going to have to deal with it. And really, we're not dealing with it. We're just making everybody around us deal with it. Anger is one of those things that just happens, and we we tend to carry it over from our old life right into our new life. And so this morning, I'm going to take some time to uh, share with us why we typically get angry. I think there's three reasons why we typically get angry, our response to those three reasons, uh, how we show that anger, but really I want to make sure that we're all on the same page right off the bat this morning and, and, and just say this, we need to understand no matter why we get angry or how we display that anger, my anger isn't about anybody else but me. My anger isn't about anyone but me. In fact, I made that our bottom line today because I I want you to make sure that you get this, right? If you don't get anything else out of this morning, I want you to hold on to this because just this bit of information could radically change the way you display anger and, and the way you deal with anger in your own life. My anger isn't about anyone but me. I want to make sure you get that. Can we just say that together, everybody right now? My anger isn't about anyone but me. Maybe you've got a spouse that's got an anger issue, and I don't want to make them more angry, but maybe you need to look at your spouse this morning, or somebody sitting next to you, and you can say this. Let's do it together again. My anger isn't about anyone but me. Are we got that now? Or are, we, are we good? <laughs> We blame all kinds of other people and all kinds of other situations. It's the government and it's my job and it's the bank account and it's whatever, but my anger isn't about anyone but me. I think we could break down the things that make us angry into three categories. I think the first thing that makes us angry is others, right? Like other people make us angry. People make it like general people, we don't even have to know them and they make us Angry. Sometimes people just make us mad. We get angry at our spouse. We get angry at our kids. We get angry at strangers. We get angry at the system, which is just other people who make the rules, right? We get angry at all of those kind of people. We might get angry at the president or police or politicians. You could be angry at immigrants. You could be angry at your infant who won't stop crying. Or you could be angry at an institution. They didn't let me in. They didn't let me out. They wouldn't let me know. We get angry about other people all the time. We also get angry um, because of objects, right? Like inanimate objects in our lives. Sometimes those inanimate things make us angry. And I just got to tell you, this is a big one for me personally and so this morning i'm preaching to myself uh, as as much as you inanimate objects sometimes make me very angry if i pull a bolt out of the car when i'm working on an engine and the bolt won't go back into the hole that it just came out of i get angry i don't like that at all if i go to start a tool or a vehicle that's supposed to start and it doesn't start I get angry. I don't handle that um, very well. I, I was working on my wife's uh, car, the, the one she had before she had now, a little Ford uh, something. And I had a little car, and I was changing the alternator in the car. And to change the alternator, you had to get the front end up, and you had to get underneath of it, and it had to go over a control arm and under a brace, and it was really difficult and i was mad i actually had two cars broken down at that time uh, one in each driveway i was going back and forth working on them and i slid out from underneath the car and i was angry because i had racked my knuckles with an opening box end wrench and i got out and i stood up and i threw the wrench on the ground that stupid object wrench didn't stay on the bolt and it hit the tire of my wife's car that was laying there and bounced back and knocked me right in the shin and split the skin open, I was bleeding out my leg, I was hurt, and and, and then I was more angry, right? And and I was more angry because a stupid wrench hit the stupid tire, and then I was mad at myself. Because that's the other thing that makes us angry, right? Ourselves. I was mad at myself for, for letting my anger get the best of me, and for taking it out on this stupid object that didn't have anything to do with anything We get angry with ourselves a lot. In fact, if we're not angry with others and we're not angry with objects, we're angry with ourselves. And so we go, that was stupid. Why did I do that? Say that, think that, look at that, buy that. Why didn't I stop it or start it or fix it or free it or fight it? How come I can't win or finish or improve or stop or just be normal? If my life is any indication of of, of your life, and, and I hope that it is on some level, we're angry at ourselves way more than we're angry at objects and others and when we get angry we display that anger in in really three ways we lash out physically all right like with the with the wrench we lash out physically way more fights have been started between two people because at least one of those people was angry about something sometimes the one who's angry the other one doesn't even know what happened and we lash out physically towards other people. How many times have we thrown something across the room at somebody intentionally trying to harm them and we weren't angry? That doesn't really, we don't do that kind of stuff unless we're angry at somebody for something. How about the last time that you punched a hole in the wall or broke a broomstick over the bumper of a car? Those are two pretty specific things because I'm guilty of those. Hashtag true Eldorado confessions. Uh, done both of those our first child Trevor was crying one night Andrea was gone away and he wouldn't stop crying I did everything I could think of to get him to stop crying and he wouldn't cry and when Andrea got home the next day there was a nice uh, fist-sized hole in the wall and I said well at least I didn't hit him it's a good thing (laughs) it's a good thing And I got mad because a bolt wouldn't go back in the engine one time when I was working on the car. And I grabbed a broom handle and I broke it. Okay, anyway, we lash out physically when we get angry. Hopefully we're able to restrain that to to objects, right? And not to people. But but when we get angry, we just like lose control and we lash out. We lash out verbally too, right? We get angry and we're going to say things. We're going to say, oh, things I didn't mean. I'll bet anger is probably probably 99% of the reason that we say things we don't mean is because we're angry about something. We talked about that last week and got a little honest with that about how we often use our anger as an excuse. Like, well I was angry so whatever I said was okay because I was angry. No! It's not okay. We get to choose what we say. I want to I want to confess a little more to you this morning, just because, I don't know, it's confession time. Uh, I struggle with this one um, lashing out verbally in the car because there are some really stupid drivers on the road. And sometimes I just can't contain myself, and I just get angry. And, and usually what, what happens is we're just driving down the road, and you know, whoever's in the car, they're not paying attention to what's going on, and all of a sudden I go, You jerk! Because that's what I call people who do stuff dumb. And like, you use your blinker. That's a, come on. Use your blinker once in a while. Try. Andrew and I uh, were coming back from Kansas City about a month ago. And uh, we got off 435. And we were headed down the highway back to, uh, back to Emporia. And um, there was this car in the left-hand lane from getting off of 435. And he stayed in the left-hand lane. And it was this beater car, and of course I was making up all kinds of scenarios about why that car looked like a piece of junk probably because you drive in the left-hand lane all the time. You're not very good at driving, and you got a problem. And so all these people were having to get around him in the right-hand lane, and we'd get right up on his bumper, and he'd just stay in the lane. And I finally got around him after, you know, I called him a jerk, and you need to learn how to drive and get over in the lane, and don't you know it's illegal, all that stuff I was uh, saying to him. I finally got around him, and then I watched him in the rearview mirror for miles down the road uh, just to see if he would get over. Nope. Nope. I lash out verbally sometimes. Now, just so you know, um, I might be sinning in that, but I'm not stupid. So I leave the windows rolled up. Uh, Only the people inside the car can um, hear me call them names because, you know, I know what happens if somebody hears you lash out verbally. They lash out physically, and then I'm in trouble. So we lash out physically, we lash out verbally, and we can also lash out emotionally. And, and this is kind of a little more difficult one to categorize. We, we get like verbal, we get physical, we see that probably a, a, a lot, but I think we could categorize this one, lash out emotionally like this. Sometimes we get angry and we don't immediately jump to this kind of open expression of that anger, but we plot and we plan <laughs> and we're prepare for when we're going to get back and get even and all that stuff. And I, and I think we, we lash out emotionally. It's not open. It's not so everybody can see. But we're plotting and we're planning in our minds and our hearts. And, and usually when we finally, uh, we finally work out that plan, we finally carry it out, it's way worse because we've blown it way out of proportion than whatever it was that made us angry in the first place. Maybe you realized this morning that you have an anger problem. Maybe you didn't even have to realize it because you just know. You get angry. Sometimes it's flat, like boom, doesn't matter what it is. Like you're the Hulk. Remember in the Marvel movie? And they said, uh, how do you bring the Hulk? And he says, I'm always angry. Maybe that's just you, just always angry, waiting for an opportunity to express that verbally or, or physically, Maybe you've asked God to take away your anger. Maybe you're one of those people who's just like, this is just who I am. It's no big deal. You just all got to deal with it. We're going to see today that dealing with our anger, which, by the way, is a habit that we've carried from our old life into our new life with Jesus. Dealing with our anger is not something that we can just ask God to take away. But God really wants us to work on that. To be obedient to Him. Dealing with our anger is really about obedience, not deliverance. It's about obedience, not deliverance. And and, and freedom from anger is not something God typically just delivers us to in like this magical moment where God just takes that away, but something we must fight for. Because we're not delivered from anger, we just have to start obeying God instead of anger. Because anger isn't about anyone but me, getting angry without taking the time to recognize the cues and adjust our thoughts and actions, that's just absurd for the believer to get angry without figuring out why and how to stop. Because anger usually just leaves us more angry with ourselves. Now this series that we've been in, Creature of Habit, it's, it's been all about recognizing the habits that we've carried from our old life before Christ into our new life. We talked uh, several times about Paul that says that when we give our lives to Christ, specifically when we've been baptized, we go in and the old us is buried. It's put to death in the water and what comes up is a new life, a new creation in Jesus. And, and when we do that, we have to deal with the habits and the hang-ups and the hurts from our old life. Now, our old life may be dead, but we still have to deal with those residual things that are left over from that life. And just like last week, as we talked about language, I don't want to pull any punches this week. So I hope you're ready for 26 words this morning, 26 words from Paul that could change your relationships, your outlook, your parenting, and your life. We're going to get into that passage in Ephesians chapter 4 in just a second, but uh, I want to just remind you that you can follow along with the message if you go to the website, reallifecc.us, and then scroll down and click on my message notes. I was talking to my son this last week, and he calls me about once a week, we talk about Bible stuff and questions and and whatever, and and he said that he's really been enjoying that because he's been able to, he tries to guess what my bottom line is going to be before I say it. Uh, before I tell anybody and so he tries to get that and then what he does is he goes to the my message notes and he sees if he was right uh, in there, so you can follow along with that. And there's even a really cool option for you to add your own notes to that thing um, in the app there. And and then at the end, at the bottom of that page, you can email uh, my notes, your notes, whatever you want. You can email that to your email address, and you could kind of save those things. Uh, so that's kind of cool. So we're going to be in Ephesians chapter four today. So uh, get your phone, your tablet, follow along on the screen, or follow along on my message notes. Here's what Paul writes. To the church there. He says, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Now Paul wrote this to the church in Ephesus. Ephesus was the home of the Roman goddess Diana, and the Greeks called her Artemis. Her temple was uh, magnificent. In fact, it's one of the seven uh, ancient wonders of the world. Uh, the temple, after it had been rebuilt, could seat over 24,000 people. It's magnificent structure. And Ephesus was built around the worship of, of Artemis. The city um, was, uh, uh, was most of it was financed from this worship. And so there were all kinds of people there who sold idols and uh, sold stuff related to the worship of Artemis. It was a very religious city, but it was not a very righteous city because part of what Artemis was the goddess of was fertility. And so when people would worship Ar- Artemis, oftentimes, I'm not going to say that, all the time, the worship of Artemis involves sexual immorality. And so in that town, that was rampant. And it was in the city of Ephesus that Paul planted a church. And despite the sinful conditions around it, that church flourished in that city. But there were problems. The people who were coming to Jesus and and coming out of that other uh, religious indoctrination, idol worship, they didn't understand that their old habits of worship were inconsistent with following this new God, this Jesus that they had heard about. And so Paul was constantly having to remind and warn them that in Jesus, they were no longer tied to the things that they had died to when they gave their lives to him. And so in the midst of this faithful growth in this difficult city, there remained a need to correct and teach the right way for a follower of Jesus to live. And I was thinking about that city and our city today, and and I think Ephesus could be El Dorado. Now, we don't have a temple to the goddess uh, Diana or Artemis, but there is sexual immorality in El Dorado. There are thieves and liars and there are people who are corrupt and greedy who who use foul language. There are fights and problems and in the middle of all of that there is the church. Baptists and Methodists and holy rollers. There's a group of people trying desperately to just follow Jesus and live a new life even though we're surrounded by our old life. So Paul writes these 26 words. Not just to the Christians in Ephesus, but also to the Christians in El Dorado today. And and he starts out very simply. He says, when you are angry, don't sin. In your anger, don't sin. That's important to point out that he doesn't say, don't get angry. Because that would be impossible, right? It would be impossible for us to not get angry. That's an emotion, and sometimes that's a good emotion. Anger motivates us to get involved, to stand up, to do things that we might not otherwise do. And so it can be, in the right situations, good. But he says, when you are angry, don't sin, which is easier said than done. Anger, I think, is basically a a synonym for loss of control. That's how we view it practically anyway. If I'm angry, I'm out of control. I've lost control of my emotions. And and you know, anytime we lose control of our emotions, we do things that aren't really smart. How many times have we done things because I had an emotional feeling? Sometimes we get married, right? Because we lose control of our emotions? I love him! And mom and dad are like he's a jerk! <laughs> he's terrible! How could you? like? But I love him! Whatever. So we do things out of this overwhelming emotion all the time and anger is just like that. Paul believes that there's a time and a place and a way to be angry and not have sin be a part of that. Now, there are a few times in the Bible, in the New Testament, where we read that Jesus got angry. In fact, one of those times he walks into the temple and he sees that the religious leaders are are selling uh, sacrifices for the temple. And they're selling them at a profit. They're, they're, instead of bringing the best into the temple, they're bringing the second and third and fourth best because they're saving the best for themselves. And then they're selling those things at a profit to the people who come into the temple. And we think, oh, that's terrible. But that's not really the reason Jesus got angry. I mean, that was enough to make him angry. But what happened was the religious leaders had taken over the court of Gentiles in order to sell these sacrifices. And the court of Gentiles is where all the other nations of the world were to come and worship God. So what had happened was the Jews once again had said, God is for us and we don't care about you. And Jesus was angry because his people, the Jews, were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. They weren't reaching out to the other nations around them and sharing the gospel with him, telling them about God and how faithful he was. And so Jesus was angry. In fact, he was so angry that he lashed out physically. He overturned tables, he grabbed a whip, and he drove people out of the temple but the bible makes it very clear that even in those moments when jesus was angry he did not sin he was never out of control of his anger he corrected he disciplined he punished where it was fitting but he never lost control so you can be angry about sin You can be angry about how horribly Satan works in the world. You can be angry about addiction and homelessness. How we live in a world where just for fun, some will punch a stranger and videotape it. Or push an elderly man down and laugh while they steal his wallet. You can be angry that nearly a million lives every year are brutally taken in the greatest act of genocide the world has ever known by people who march and gleefully chant for the right to murder their own child. We can be angry about sin we just can't sin here's the distinction Jesus was angry about how God's people were treating God's temple and each other but if we're honest with ourselves the vast majority of our anger the vast majority of my anger is not about God or others it's about me It's selfish. It's self-seeking. I'm upset because somebody ate my leftovers in the fridge. I'm upset because somebody lost something or left something or did something or offended me or got in my way or took my spot. H.C.G. Mule write, Anger as the mere expression of wounded personality is sinful. Because it means that self is in command and most of the time that we're angry we're angry because somebody has done something against us And so I'm mad at you because you did something to me I'm offended by what you did or you didn't do something I expected you to do and so I'm angry and so we don't get angry like God gets angry we get angry because we're put out we're offended I'm upset let me say it this way the mistreatment of others angered Jesus and moved him to act on their behalf. Jesus was always standing up for those who were pushed down and kept down. But when Jesus himself was mistreated, he did not act or allow himself to become angry with his oppressors. Ever think about that? He got angry with the religious leaders over and over again because they were oppressing and mistreating the people that they were supposed to care about and love and help. But when Jesus was mistreated, he didn't respond. Instead, he prayed for them and even asked God to forgive them. Righteous anger should motivate us to pray. It should motivate us to call for justice and call on God and when possible to stand up for those who can't defend themselves. So if dealing with anger is about obedience and not just deliverance, we got to know what commands are there that we need to follow when it comes to anger. Well, the Bible's full of commands about anger. Let me just share a couple of them. James writes, um, be slow to anger. Now, if that's all we were talking about this morning. That would be hard in and of itself, right? Because we don't slow anger, like we're, boom, angry. <laughs> I'm angry. I'm angry all the time. Be slow to anger. Paul writes in the book of Colossians, put away anger and rage. Put it away. Don't don't even have anything to do with it. Stick it in the safe and lock the door and never go back to it. And here in Ephesians, Paul gives us 26 words and three commands. So let's go through those. First of all, Paul says, don't sin. Don't sin. When you are angry, do not sin. It's simple, it's straightforward, and it's incredibly difficult for all of us. Anger becomes sin when it's selfish, right? If you want to make the distinction, that's when it becomes sin, when it's selfish, when my anger is directed at how I have been treated or mistreated, and so I respond to that. When we get angry for selfish reasons, what we're saying is, I am the center of Of the universe. How dare you do something against my will? How dare you cut me off? How dare you take my place in in line? How dare you treat me that way? Do you know who I am? We get angry about the silliest things. Guess what? We're not the center of the universe. Everything in this country is not about us. So Paul says, Look, when you get angry, just don't say anything. Don't say anything sinful. Don't curse. Don't call people names. Don't give them the finger. Now, that's a physical lash out, but really it's a verbal lash out because everybody knows exactly what that means. I think another thing you might be saying there is don't get historical. My dad used to say, every time I get in a fight with my wife, she gets historical. She brings up all the stuff that I've done my whole life. You did this and this and this and this. And Paul's saying, look, when you get angry, don't sin. Don't bring up all that garbage from the past that Jesus already died for, that's been forgiven, You moved on. Don't do that. Don't get verbal. Don't say things you're going to regret. Don't do anything physical. Be angry. And then let God have it. Your car, your house, your family, your time, your person is not the best. We have a beat up old car and it gets a little tiny ding on it because somebody wasn't paying attention or whatever. And we fly off the handle. oh my goodness, it's a car. Most of the time when things happen to us, they're not about us. We get angry about things and and we lash out at at people physically or or verbally. And and Paul's like, look, just don't, don't do that. You'd be angry about something, but don't sin. Don't let it have control of you. Maybe the other person is having a bad day. Maybe they're under the influence of Satan. By the way, doesn't the the Bible say that? that? That it's not about flesh and blood. Our battle with people is not about flesh and blood, but it's about the power and the rulers and the authority of this dark kingdom. It's because Satan is involved. They may have been careless, so what? Anger falsely puts you in God's shoes and me as though we're the pinnacle of life. We've got to stop acting like we're the center of the universe because the great commandment is this, love God and love others. He doesn't say love yourself and then you can love God and then love others. Once you love yourself enough, then you can love God and, and love others effectively. And that's kind of what you see if you go to Pinterest. You gotta love, i got to learn to love myself. You love yourself plenty. And so do I. We care for ourselves and we feed ourselves and we do things. We get angry at people when they do something to ourselves. and We're upset about that. We love each other. What we need to do is learn how to love God and love others more. So when you're angry, don't sin. He says this, don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Now, I don't know if that's literal. Like he's saying, look, 24-hour day, the sun goes down in the summertime at 9.30, so you've got a little more time to get over it than when it's winter. I don't know if that's what he's saying. I think it just means this. Don't nurse anger. Don't let it consume you. Don't think about it and how you're going to get back at the person. I think that's what he's saying. Don't let the sun go down while you're plotting your revenge against somebody else. Let it go. Paul is actually quoting in that a particular uh, grouping of words. He's quoting Psalm 4-4 when he writes to Ephesus. And they would have understood this. They would have picked up on this easily, but we got to go back and look at it. Psalm 4-4 says this, In your anger, do not sin. Now we know where he got it, right? And then it goes on to say, When you are on your beds, search your hearts and be silent. We're not good at that. But we're good at laying in bed and thinking about all the ways we can get back at that jerk who did that thing to us. Here's how you search your heart. I think the first thing you got to do is recognize I'm not the judge of what happened. That thing that made me angry, I'm not the judge of that person or that thing. Second, I think we have to lay our anger down at the cross or the crypt. Let me explain that. If the person who angered you is a believer in Jesus, okay, you got angry or offended, or this happens in church all the time somebody does something, somebody didn't hear you, or somebody whatever, took your parking spot or your seat or something, and we get angry about, about things in the church for silly things, we got to remember that Jesus died for them and he forgave their sin against you. That's important. Jesus already forgave their offense, their sin against you on the cross when he was tortured and murdered for their sin and yours. Which means God's already forgiven them. And you should too. If you want to look like Jesus. And so when we're laying in bed, instead of nursing that anger, we got to go, if this person is a believer, Jesus died on the cross to forgive them for this sin... I need to forgive them too because I want to look more like Jesus. And so we can lay that anger down at the cross. We can go, go, Jesus, you paid for this already. I don't have to. You already forgave them so that I can find forgiveness for them in you. The other thing that we can do is lay that anger down at the crypt. Because if the person who angered you is not a believer, no matter how bad this life is for them, hell is going to be a whole lot worse. Hell is horrible. And that's where they're headed. And so if somebody who's not a believer angered you or, or did something against you, what we should feel is sadness for them instead of satisfaction that they're going to get what they deserved. Because the crypt holds no hope. God said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And we need to learn as believers how to be comfortable with that if we're going to be angry and not sin. So when you're in bed at night and you're angry about something, it's the cross or the crypt. The last one is, he says, don't give the devil a foothold. When we get angry, it's, it's almost always because someone wronged us. And now here at the end of the message, we can face it, that our, angry, that our anger is really simply violent selfishness. Really? I, I'm angry about something. It's just, I'm selfish and it's become violent. I've responded to that. I've let it take control of me. And when we do that, we give the devil a foothold into our lives because selfishness is about us, not God. And Satan has always wanted us more concerned with ourselves than with our Savior. You could track that through the whole Bible. Satan talked to Eve, and he said, look, Eve, you'll know right from wrong, right? You're more important than God. He said to Saul, you're the king. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to obey God. You're the king. He said to Judas, Judas, you could be rich. You don't have to live on the scraps from God. He said to Peter, you know better than Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to die for the sins of the world. And Peter said, no, you're not. And Jesus responded to them like, get behind me, Satan. Peter was angry that Jesus would even think about dying. Jesus was going to become king of the world and Peter was going to reign with him. And it was selfish. And and Jesus calls him Satan in that moment because he knows that it's that power that's working in Peter. If you're struggling with anger today, and all of us do at some point or another, maybe you're one of those people who's really good at keeping it hidden, but inside you're angry, we we got to deal with that anger too. We've got to realize that anger is really about false control. The idea that we can control situations and circumstances or, or even other people. You and I are not the judge or the jury. The true judge, Jesus, either paid for the wrongdoer's sin just like he did for ours on the cross, or the person who wronged you will pay for it themselves in the crypt. Either way, it's not in our control. And so, if you struggle with anger, or maybe I should say this when you struggle with anger, here's a few things to keep in mind. Number one, recognize anger's true spark. It's selfishness. I was angry at the car for making me work on it longer. For hurting me while I was trying to do something that needed to be done. Anger's true spark is selfishness. Secondly, let go of your need to control. Because that's the other part of anger, right? You didn't do what I said I thought I wanted. You aren't the judge or the jury. And so we got to let that go. And then as we obey God, and, and we don't sin when we're angry, anger, and no sin, and we don't let the sun go down, we're angry, we don't nurse anger, right? And, and, and then we don't give the devil a foothold. When we obey God, God will bring calmness and contentment when we start obeying His commands, when we release some of that to God. When we recognize that Jesus has already paid for it on the cross, or they're going to pay for it in the crypt. Listen, church, my anger is not about anyone else but me. It doesn't matter if I'm angry with my wife, if I'm angry with that stupid driver, if I'm angry with the government or a business or a political party or a person. Anger is ultimately a choice that you and I make to give up control of our lives to Satan, Instead of maintaining composure through the Holy Spirit. And we said last week, and I think the week before, whether you're the old new or the you, new you depends on you. There's a choice that we make. And so many of us had settled for the choice to just deal with the anger that comes in our lives. And if you're a believer this morning, you've got to understand that that's not God's plan. What God wants is for us to obey Him to let that anger go and then to love God and to love others in the midst of that anger. Let's stop being tied to what we died to when it comes to anger. Let's pray. God, I thank you for sending your son to the cross in my place. For forgiving me my sin and for my anger. God, you know that there are areas of my life where I still need to deal with that and give that over to you. And probably there's others here today that are in the same boat. God, as we're as we're angered, help us to recognize that we're not the center of the universe, that you already died to forgive the sins of every person that are committed against us give us the the strength help us with even the desire to try and get control of our anger to be angry and not sin to not plot our revenge and then to not give the devil a foothold so that we can look more like your son Jesus each and every day this week, God, would you help us to look more like him, to respond in, in ways that that aren't sin, even if we might be angry about a situation. Would you help us to do that, God, in Jesus' name, amen. Have you been dealing with this, or you've recognized maybe in your life that this is something that you need to deal with? And, um, Maybe you just want to pray with somebody about that and go, hey, I'm struggling with this. I want somebody else to come along with me. Um, well, you just stop back in the Connection Hub after uh, the service in just a moment. And, and one of the folks who are back there would be happy to, to pray with you um, about that. Or if you've got a decision or a prayer request or something like that, you can go to reallifecc.us on your mobile device. And, and there's a place for you to let us know what's going on in your in your life or um, Uh, just go hey I'm, I'm dealing with this anger thing or language or whatever it is would you pray for me and we'll make sure that we do that